0: Promo Kitchen is an all volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org/donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. This episode of the Promo Kitchen Podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Porton Company. Nike Golf, OGO, District, and Sport Tech. You can check them out online at Sanmar.com.
1: I'd like to welcome everybody to the third edition of the and Rebel Podcast. I'm joined here today by an all-California edition, with the exception of Mark Graham, who is Canadian, but he's still Californian. And I would like to welcome a couple of people I consider to be rebels within this industry to the podcast today. First up, I've got Harry Ion from Perfection Promo based out of Walnut Creek, California. Harry is an I Promote you affiliate. I consider him to be a rebel in this industry because he's just different as a whole. He's tall. He's like really tall. Has curlier hair than I am. He went to USB. He swam at USB. He's been in the promo biz, I'd say, for about 10 years off and on here for Perfection Promo. And I'd like to welcome Harry to the podcast today. Thanks, Jason. second rebel up, I've got Sam Cavert out of Campbell, California. Sam is one of the owners of Value VP. He hosts the What Up Silicon Valley podcast. He's also known as Swag Sam. He's also a single lady, so if you swipe right, you might be able to find Sam. He's got in the South Bay, San Jose location. I'd like to welcome Sam, who's also a golden retriever to the podcast today. What up, guys? And Mark Graham who's the voice of reason for the promo industry, co-founder of RightSleep, co-founder of Commons View. based out of Toronto, California and a heart. He's a big orange shorts and flip flops type of guy, even though he lives in the Arctic. But I'd like to welcome Mark Graham to the podcast as well today.
0: Thank you. It's shorts for me 12 months a year. So thank you. Thank you.
1: There you go. There you go. So this podcast, we get together a group of people that I consider to be rebels that do shit their way in this industry and don't really care how the others do it. So I've got. Harry and Sam here, we're going to focus in on a lot of California, Silicon Valley type of questions as well today too, because there's probably a lot of interest in what's going on out here in the tech world. And Mark will help me co-host this and keep me under control, but I'd like to welcome everyone for joining in today. And we're going to start off with Harry. Harry, so I consider you to be a rebel in this industry, mostly because you don't want to conform to the way most distributors work. You are known for, you know, selling multiple, multiple million dollars worth of promo stuff out of your garage, and you've been publicized and I think notated within this industry for loving working out of your garage. And I've been in the garage, and all good businesses start in a garage. So there you go. But I want to get started with you and see why you consider yourself to be a rebel within the promo industry.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I love working out of the garage. Just like you said, there it. You know, I started working for a company on the East Coast, and then I worked remotely for them for about five years. And you know I started my own company in two thousand and ten. I want to control my own destiny and learn as much. I love the industry, and you know what I tried to do is pick different target areas with tech growing in the Bay Area as well as you know working with professional sports teams since I had an interest there and had some people that I knew who who were in that field. I really want to focus on those and really figure out those customers and figure out the best way to service that with the best suppliers and people who work the same way as me. And, you know, trying to keep my business as lean as possible so that I can go out and sell and I can service the clients and also offer them competitive pricing where we can also still make a good margin and, you know, be competitive and, and offer great service to our customers. So with me, it's kind of, I want to save as much time, work at home, spend time with my son, and, you know, it's just been a real good setup to work this way and and work with awesome clients that we have in the Bay Area and all around California and such. Cool. Sam, to you now, so
1: obviously, you know, you're one of the young up-and-coming people within this industry, but I want to know how you consider yourself a rebel within this industry, especially, you know, running the Value BP business a little differently than how your folks used to run when they started the company.
3: Yeah, Jason. I think it goes back to uh, 2011 when you and I first met. I was doing Chico Feet. It was a business I started in college at Chico State. Like you mentioned, my parents have an office supply company. My dad started in 1980, just going door to door selling and repairing typewriters. So we've evolved a lot since then. But uh, you know, I grew up going to ASI shows, and as a kid, like sitting on the floor in the corner with my brother, being bored. You know, never thinking I'd grow up to sell office supplies or promotional products the story of chico feet as jim harbaugh would say has been well documented if you uh follow some <laughs> of uh, my personal stuff i won't get into that too much but basically it was a common expression in the town of chico you know chico feet means dirty your foot is dirty basically so i attached a tangible product to that that I was selling retail and that that build buzz and awareness throughout the town I was on the news, both in print and on the TV. So I was able to get a meeting with Sierra Nevada and out there I actually saw the founder and owner and he knew who I was because of Chico Feet Sandals. So I just used promotional props to get in places. So that was something I got started out with. And I've been missing that since I joined my family's business full time for the past several years. So I love having What Up Silicon Valley, the podcast now, because that's my new Chico feed. So, you know, it's just being kind of creative and how I get my personal brand out there and awareness. Cause I don't believe in cold calls and I've done too many drop-ins and cold calls in my day to go back and do that. So right. hope that helps.
1: Yeah, no, definitely it definitely does. So I'm a Bay area guy, you know, we're all Bay area people. Mark, we're just going to pretend you live in my house with me and live here in the Bay area. So we're all Bay Area guys. And, you know, this is a huge, huge market, not just for tech, but for promo, right? Because every promo company needs tech. So I'm just curious. I mean, Harry, you're, you know, a smaller operation. Sam, you're a smaller operation. You guys are here in the Bay Area competing for huge, huge customers. I mean, you're talking Facebooks, Google's, all the big players in the world are based here in the Silicon Valley. You're competing against some of the bigger promo companies here in the area, whether it's the brandias and the Jack Nadels and some of these other guys. I want to know how the two of you guys kind of make a a foot for yourself within this industry and how you make yourself well-known and compete with these big guys when you're going out and seeing customers. So I'll let either one of you kind of kick it off.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. I mean, each customer is different. Someone, you know, who might need, you know, the full online store and, you know, 20 people in the back end and need different services like that, you know, it might not be a fit to work with me, but there's plenty of other customers who might have like an unbelievable creative internal designer, but, you know, they need help with sourcing. They need people who are getting back to them. So, you know, it just depends on the customer to me. I think there's plenty of opportunities for smaller businesses. If you do it right and you have the right supplier partners. Where you can, you know, get your foot in the door and show something that's different. You can be creative to them. You have also like opportunities to pivot. Some companies, you know, it's their way and it's the exact margin it has to be. And, you know, there's no, you have to conform to those larger companies. But if you're smaller, you can kind of try to cater to those customers and understand their needs and, you know, do the right thing to be a good fit for them. And, you know, I think that can help your business compete against the larger guys.
0: Right. Hey, Harry, when you go into some of these bigger accounts that, you know, Jason is mentioning, so if you're going into a Facebook or a Google, I'm not sure if they're clients of yours. Well, Mm -hmm. don't I start off with that, like, do you deal with some of those bigger guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're secondary vendors for some of these larger companies. I mean, I've probably done one or two orders for Facebook, nothing really big with them. You know, probably similar to Google, but like some of the other companies, the Autodesk, different things, you know, I got uh, recently, there was a company, uh, I think it was Venga, they called and, you know, it's it's an RFP comes in. And really, I'm not going to be able to differentiate myself that much in an RFP. It's going to be talking. So, you know, to them, I just told them, you know, check out, you know, I'm happy to give you some names of people we work with, large customers and see how they work. And, you know, here's a lot of information about us from our website, and I'm happy to talk to you and speak in as much length as you need. And, you know, it was actually interesting because they ended up, you know, giving us an opportunity to work with them and selecting us as one of their vendors to do some of the stuff just as, you know, based on, you know, explaining about our company instead of, you know, all these long pages of pages of stuff that, you know, sometimes really doesn't even matter. It's just part of like, you know, jargon that's in these RFPs. But I think it's kind of, you know, explaining your company and what is beneficial about your business is ways that kind of you have to position yourself against, right. you know, $100 million plus companies.
0: Right. You know, I think it really comes down to positioning, as you say. And so when you think about the kinds of business that you get, how do you find, and, and Sam, I want to ask you this question afterwards, like what is the perfection promo's positioning in the market? Like when a client buys from you, Harry, like, why are they really buying from you? Like, where is it that you are totally knocking out of the park where your competitors can't even touch you?
2: It's cheesy to say, but I mean, I think there's a lot of aspects. I think relationship is always important, but at the starting, you have to be price competitive. I mean, everyone says, and I know how much everyone discussed like the race to the bottom. And I agree. We're in it to, you know, offer a product, offer a service and offer, something of value and not just all on price but you know you have to be competitive if i'm going into a new customer and you know doing crazy margins they're not going to give me an opportunity but you know i also don't believe in anything of doing jobs where you don't make money that's ridiculous and it doesn't make sense for the business so you have to find a fine line and you also have to kind of you know uh see because you want to show something of like hey wow working with harry or with sam you know it was a great experience. I enjoyed working with them. They gave me competitive pricing and look at we got this done a lot quicker or they came out with, you know, at our price point I thought we were going to get an item that was inferior to this and they came up with a great idea of something that's creative and has a higher perceived value. And you know that goes back to like leaning on the right partners, dealing with people like Jason, dealing, you know, with picking your right partners who are there to service you. So yeah. the same way that, you know, our clients look at us, we have to look at the same way with our suppliers.
0: Yeah. Sam wanted to give you the opportunity to answer that. And then Jason, you go after that. But, you know, just in terms of you thinking, Sam, about, you know, value BPs, positioning the marketplace. And, you know, you and I have certainly chatted about some really cool clients that you've been able to pick up. And you're a relatively small player in a market where there's a lot of big, scary competitors, but yet you're nimble and creative and you're landing this business. So what do you attribute that to?
3: Yeah, I'd say... You know, the hardest part for us is we are extremely small. We operate pretty lean. I have one full-time guy that supports me, and he's only been with us for like two years. Then we have some of the people on the office supply side that help too. But having said that, like I have these visions and these dreams and, you know, Just different marketing tactics I'd love to do, but we don't have the resources for it. So that's definitely a struggle. But to get back to the original question, one of the things that positions us is we're women-owned and we have our WeBank certification and we've had that since Super Bowl 50. You know, we've gotten some business, it's opened some doors, but it hasn't been that valuable, probably partially because I'm not working it enough. We talked about briefly earlier, RFPs and stuff like that. I don't like doing all the paperwork for. RP or even the WeBank stuff. So that's part of it because for me, really, it's going out and meeting people in person. A lot of our clients are just referrals or people I have met through networking and events, whether it's chamber or higher level. That's been the most beneficial as opposed to cold calls or drop-ins or even cold emails via LinkedIn, any of that. I do some of that as well. If you look at our client list, you'd be like, wow, that's very diverse. You know, a lot of different industries. And it's because a lot of it's referrals. Like if we do have a tech company, we're getting referred left and right from all the other admins. So i rather spend time, you know, working that company as a whole versus targeting a whole other company where, you know, we've all gone down that wild goose chase. And for us, our positioning of me, I really believe speed sells. We always get back to our clients right away, even if it's just buying time to give them that reassurance. And I've been told that's a big reason why they keep coming back to us. You know, that's a big thing for us.
2: People who, you know, if they're waiting a day or two or, you know, even now with all the technology, I mean, it's crucial to be getting back to customers right away. Within the hour. Yeah. I was going to say, Mark, you know, these guys from working
1: with them from a supplier and they're obviously both my customers. These guys are helpful, and I think that's, you know, anyone listening in, how do you compete with some of these big guys, you know, the Staples and the Halos and the Geigers and some of these big, big suppliers, and so I really contributed to, yeah, price, you know, that helps at the end of the day, but the service is ultimately the best selling point for smaller distributors. These guys have been on emails with them at, you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, test messages late at night. They do anything they can to help get the customer what they need as quickly as possible. I know you know, for example, Harry. He's always accessible by cell phone. I've I've been on phone calls with him when he's you know walking in a restaurant. And he's on a conference call with me as a customer, and I think the service is really like if I'm a customer, if I'm eBay or Autodesk, or I know each of those are these two guys' customers. I would want to work and position myself with have you know a distributor that is going to be there on you know speed dial whenever I need them,
2: twenty four hours a day. Yeah, not twenty four, but
3: 20 hours of that. You know, it is 24 though.
2: I appreciate that. And I mean, I think it is in this day and age now, if you're not answering the phone, they'll look elsewhere. If you're not getting back to them. I mean, it's so instant with online that if you're not getting them an answer, they can type in online and and find it elsewhere. And so to us, I think it is as crucial as prices. It is service as well, just like what Jason and Sam say, because there are so many options that are out there. So- you need to service your customer. You need to be dependable and get back to them right away. I think it's that's a necessity nowadays.
1: Yeah, yeah I think you know, one of the other really good points here too is, I mean, so we're all based in Silicon Valley and social media is a huge thing and pretty much all the big social media companies are based here too. And even though that these two guys are both smaller distributors, they both have a very good social media presence, it's not just on Instagram and Facebook, but just with the type of content they're producing. So Guys, i want to kinda of open up and talk a little bit about social media here. So I kinda of wanna know you guys' position and what your thoughts are and has social media helped you guys bring in additional revenue and has it helped you guys seem a little bigger, I guess, when you're going into product pitches, even though we know that you're smaller in terms of manpower.
3: I have a story about golden retrievers and swiping right. You guys wanna hear that story? All right,
1: everyone's here about Go for it. You. Yeah,
3: this had to be like maybe two thousand thirteen or fourteen actually someone i met on one of those dating apps and it had to be a long time after that right one day i snapchat a picture of my golden retriever wearing some promo shades right and then i get a text a couple of weeks later like hey could you give me a quote for a couple thousand of those sunglasses i'm like yeah sure thing great thing about it was it was a company owned by disney so we became a disney approved vendor from snapchat you know, you never think about Snapchat. So that was a nice little success one. Kind of like what I said before, like being small, we have to be mindful of our time. And I tried going the routes of getting more business since we could leverage that we were approved by Disney, but it didn't get us anywhere. It was just some startup that folded. But I mean, we did good business with them. And then the buyer went to other companies and she brought us with them. So Snapchat right there was profitable. And the other thing, with us is yeah instagram all that but you know really what i'm doing is what up silicon valley i try to plug in the little swag suddenly here and there i mean we probably everyone gets one of those org audio backpacks jason all of our guests on the show they right. get org audio backpack with the what up logo and all that yeah no definitely um <laughs> that social media has been good for us sam did you did you yep. meet the girl on like tinder and then add her on that or did you just meet yeah. a random on snapchat well, uh, no, uh, like we were dating for a while, but it, the reason why we, like, you know, met was from swiping right, and you referenced that in the bio. So, okay. I was, and uh, you referenced okay, the Golden sure. Retriever. So, I was like, let me bring it full circle. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, with ours, I would say uh, I, I really try to position on showing some of our past products and projects that we do that show some of our work and try to get photos that are taken that show them in different areas as more of like a lifestyle look. But, to me, I think with social media, the most important thing is, and I mean, we connect our Instagram to our website. So to me, it's, it's about showing our past work. And, you know, maybe I'm not getting an order per se when we're posting these pictures all the time or anything like that. But I know when people are hearing about my company, whether it's a referral from a client who's saying, you know, to check out Perfection Promo, they're going to go to our website. They're going to go to our Instagram page or Facebook if it looks sloppy and it looks like garbage, then, you know, that's going to make it a lot harder for us to land a customer. But when they already get a referral or they hear about our company and then they go online and do their own due diligence, I think it's crucial that, you know, how you're displaying your products, how you're displaying your social media account, it's important for them to go and see, you know, how professional your business is. So to me, it's kind of extra way of people are searching online and learning about your company and feeling more comfortable to kind of see about your business and about the different projects that you've done. Right. The other thing I kind of want to talk about
1: is some .dot .com stuff here is Walmart has entered the promotional product space, right? And this is interesting because Walmart.com is based here in the Bay Area. My sister actually works for Walmart corporate based here in the Bay Area too. And her and I were talking about this day. and Walmart's trying to go into promo And it's interesting because Walmart is cheap shit, right? So I just want to know
2: what you guys thoughts are on Walmart kind of entering the
1: promo space here.
2: I would say, I mean, it's fine that they're going in there. I think it's the same as the 4imprint and everyone like that. I think we have our relationships, but I, I think it also just proves a point to how important online is. And even the smaller companies... You know, you can find your niche to get online business and, you know, to create with different ads or different organic stuff, creating your blogs, creating podcasts, like what Sam's doing. You have to find different ways to capitalize on the online business. And, you know, there are going to keep being bigger and bigger players, you know, probably Amazon will get involved in this at some point soon as well. And, you know, I think it's good. It's competitive. And there's obviously a market there. and I think also, too, with the rules with Google and how different things change, smaller companies have a better opportunity. You know, 10 years ago, or maybe six to eight years ago, when I was first getting in the industry, I mean, it wasn't a, a level playing field. And now the different ways that you can grow organically and you can set your business up, you can compete with some of those bigger players and such.
3: Harry, I agree with what you're saying. And, you know, also just to take that to next level. I think it's kind of a transition. You know, everyone's talking about millennials and how they're moving into the buying positions. And my best clients wouldn't want to buy online, right? And mm-hmm. go figure that my best clients probably aren't millennials. I am a millennial. And I'd say more often than not, I have trouble selling to millennials. So it's a little, you know, scary to me because I don't want my buyers to be in a position of where they prefer to go online, I'm sure soon, you know, whether it's a uh, PPI, Sage, or ESP, whatever, there's going to be a solution for that, or maybe Common View, right, where we could have some kind of integration to a shopping cart, and then it solves it right there. Because to me, it's all relationships. My best clients wouldn't want to go to for Imprint, you know, that's why they come to us. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I do think that there's going to be a better solution to what's currently out there for online transactions but yeah, we'll see.
2: And I agree. I mean, also that's completely correct. And I mean, any person who buys a significant amount of promo isn't going to want to just have an online relationship. So it also has to do with the value of how much business you're doing. If someone's, you know, buying well over a hundred thousand dollars worth of promos, they need that relationship. It's a massive, important part of their job and they need someone that they can trust and not to just click online and hope each order is delivering for them. So You know, definitely agree with you completely. And just, you know, it depends on the specific promo purchaser of what that relationship is.
0: You know, I was going to jump in and say that, you know, I think in my time in this industry, I've always seen there being a division between a couple of different key segments. So, you know, on one hand, you've got this like pure transactional side of the business, whether that's The customer knows exactly what they want. They don't want to have any creativity. They don't want to have any guidance. And they just want 100 white T-shirts with a left chest, one color print. Okay. And so that's the transactional side. Then you've got this other side, which is the sophisticated company store business, whether it's inventory-based or non-inventory-based, but it's RFP-driven, a big contract that's signed with a big Fortune 500 company. That's kind of the second category. The third category is this, this notion of custom, this creative, value-added, relationship-driven kind of work. And I've always been interested in, and I'm sure there's probably other segments that we could talk about, but I've, I've always viewed the industry as really being divided between those three different segments. And as I listen to you guys, you know, it's clear that you're not playing in the big company store space. You, you don't have the resources. You don't have the interest in getting into that space. That's totally cool. You're also not really in that pure transaction space because if you were, you'd definitely have 4imprint or Walmart promos that would be knocking down your door because they'd likely be able to beat you in convenience as well as price. And that leads the third segment where you're going in and with your amazing relationships, value-added, design-forward thinking, you're picking up this nice business that the company store guys in, oftentimes are not optimized for. And the online guys are not really optimized for that either, because all they want to do is push you into that one color left chest print on a hundred white shirts. And I find that really exciting that there still is this very vibrant agency custom driven segment of this business, because it means that companies like yours, and I could also argue to some extent, right sleeve in Toronto, even though you know we'll take it that we're honorary Californians, you know, per this podcast. But I think it's really exciting that that other segment exists, because it means that companies like ours will continue to enjoy a really great, strong future. So I don't know, do you guys agree with that or am I missing something?
2: No, I mean, I think that's spot on and it's crucial. And that's always going to be there for a lot of the bigger, you know, customers and and people who buy promo. But I also think too, that we, you know, a smaller business have to understand that online business as well and try to figure out smaller niches. I mean, for me, in the last, say, like four months, I kind of tried to learn a little bit more online and do smaller stuff, but based on trends. I mean, I can't compete against a four imprint on how many SKUs and different stuff like that. But when they had the fidget spinner craze, people didn't have inventory. Some of the biggest ones didn't have the inventory, but you know, maybe some other really trusted suppliers had inventory. I could position online where we were able to offer a product and offer a solution when other people were saying it takes six weeks. Solar eclipse glasses, the trend just got massive you know a yeah. couple of weeks before and and you know to try to look and do targeted ads focused on that, I mean both of those I had success doing stuff on smaller scales, but targeted based on trends and I think smaller businesses can focus on smaller trends and try to figure out ways and then from there, you know the goal is that you have a customer, they saw the service you came through that was different, and there was a personal relationship. And then to try to grow something more and show more unique stuff that you can do and, and show your creativity.
1: Yeah, I think the value add with these guys with the service level and, you know, Harry brought up a good point. If Staples wanted to run an ad on, you know, solar eclipse boxes or fidget spinners, it'd be weeks before it probably got approved by corporate and the spend got approved from, you know, the Q3 fiscal budget and whatnot, where Harry and Sam being smaller, they can you know, get their ads up and running within a couple minutes on Google or Facebook or whatever to capitalize on the craze and all the search history. So I think it's actually a little better to be a smaller fish in the big pond here, at least for, you know, these circumstances.
3: Yeah. And think of how many online businesses where you enter in the Zendesk or, you know, whatever their customer service portal is and everything just gets lost. You have no reassurance of when they're ever going to get back to you. You know, and a lot of times it can be several hours to a couple of days. So if our clients already know that we'll get back to them within an hour or two, you know, that still helps us. So I think it's all yeah. we're positioned well, like you said. Yeah. So another thing too, I mean, do you guys
1: think there's an advantage to your business being located here in the Silicon Valley? Obviously, you both have customers that are, a lot of them are here in the Bay Area, but you both have a lot outside the Bay Area. Do you think there brings some notoriety to customers that you have of yourselves that are outside of this area by saying you're located here in the Silicon Valley?
3: I don't really get into that. There's not too many clients I have outside the area. Having said that, my first two clients were both in Florida unrelated just connections i had but going back to it most of my clients come from networking events so i think it doesn't really make a difference for me personally but that's probably about it i could you know how i was saying i have ideas and whatnot i could definitely work on some marketing tactics and positioning to tap that sure you know i'm one of the things i'm working on is you know, really streamlining my processes so I can free up some time to explore that and maybe target some areas out of here to leverage what I'm already doing with the podcast, which furthers the point of you know me being a Silicon Valley expert and whatnot. So it's an interesting right. thought.
2: I think it's an advantage, and any time that you live in a market that's a a very thriving, successful market, I think you know if there are people who are buying a lot of promos who you're dealing with on a day to day basis being close by, having that proximity. You know, I may not see a customer for six months or or 12 months, but knowing that I'm here, if they need something, if I need to be over there for a quick lunch or a quick meeting, they know that I I can get there. I had a, uh, a professional sports team last week I've been trying to get involved with that you know, the guy on Thursday night responded and said, let's meet for lunch the next morning. So, you know, being close by, it, it gave me that opportunity to go out and see him right away and service them. You know, I have a ton of clients that are in other areas and, you know, with how accessible everyone is with email and your phone and text, you know, uh, it just depends on the customer. Some people really want that face-to-face meeting while others, you know... I had some very large customers in San Francisco that it took three years and probably doing, uh, you know, close to three quarters of a million dollars worth of business before I finally met him in person. And, you know, I have another one right now where I've only met him once out of, you know, dealing with them for five years. And, you know, he's fine with it and we have a great relationship, but, you know, he just doesn't want to meet. And that's fine. You have to respect each customer on how they want the relationship to work.
0: Hey, guys, what are you scared of in your business? Like, what is the thing that you feel could wipe you guys out in the next three to five years? Is there anything you're worried about? Or, you know, I'm curious because I know you're both successful. Clearly, your models are working out really well. But, you know, what's the thing that worries you?
3: For me, it's letting go. I've always had trouble letting go because I do something a certain way. And to me, promotional products and selling in general is very much an art form. You know, especially when just I think anyone in our industry knows that we're constantly putting out fires. Like that's pretty much what our job is. Right. Or dealing with like little fires and then uh, adjusting. So if I truly want to, you know, scale to a reasonable size, not like super large, but basically so I can work on the podcast or do whatever kind of freedom I want for the marketing to essentially grow, you know, how do I train my teams to do something exactly how I would have done it? So that might be something I bring to uh, SKUCon and SKUcamp.
2: And I agree too. I mean, the letting go, it's important. I do stuff my way, having the right people that do that. I, I mean, I have, I work with Lindsay, Emily, and I promote you who do a fantastic job and who I, you know, I, I try to train and, and try to do the same way and, and explain, you know, how necessity is to get back to people and, and doing the stuff. And I think That part for myself and you know my sanity because I love working. I love the promo industry, but you know to try to make sure that I'm able to service the clients and how much business that we have the proper way. That always gets me scared. I mean, with our industry, one thing that you know with all of the mergers on supplier sides and stuff, you know, I do get concerned down the road on our offerings and having the right suppliers that are going to be there, the partners that I trust and things do change. And, you know, I've had a a decorator that's changed locations that I've trusted like none other, that's been a great partner. And and when things change at at some of your suppliers, that that affects you as well. And, you know, things like that do concern me, you know, with, you know, more consolidation on the supplier side and and affecting how I am able to service our customers with the products, because we're only going to be as good as our suppliers. And we have fantastic suppliers in this industry. And, you know, making sure that they can do the proper job to make us look good is crucial. You know, Amazon, yeah, I mean, not too concerned on Walmart, you know, people love Amazon and, you know, but there's always going to be different players and different online stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the future and to see how I can adapt with my business. But yeah, I'm not waking up scared or
0: anything. How about you, Jason? You know, you're on the supplier side, you're a, uh... Smaller supplier relative to like PCNA, right? But you're highly nimble, really creative, hustling all the time. You know, it seems like you've got this great upward trajectory. But what worries you? Like, what's the thing that you know keeps you and Mike up at night?
1: Not much, honestly. It's scalability, I guess. I mean, we've grown like crazy the last couple of years, so just the ability to keep up with production and staying ahead of the curve. I mean, the hardest part with Origadio is you've got two guys here that are both product marketing guys, but either one of us are production guys. So yeah. the hardest part for us is, I guess, trying to keep up with the demand of our product. I mean, we're, we shipped like 20,000 one-piece orders last year. That's, that's crazy. Were we ever set up to do that? I mean, yeah, we were, but we had to figure it out across the way. So for me, it's the production and the warehousing side. We're moving into about a 25,000-square-foot facility here this month, and stresses the hell out of me because, like, yeah, it's a lot of space, Yes, it's very, very expensive space because it's California, but being able to operate efficiently is what keeps me up at night.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine.
1: The thing I want to to end with, because we're almost out of time here, is I want to try something a little different. I want to do like kind of a lightning round. Just one word answers. Got a couple of questions I've written up here, but I want to start Harry, then Sam. So please answer in that order. But I want to fire off a couple of questions to you guys here and try to end up the Red Bull podcast a little differently with some lightning round questions. Okay. So Harry, favorite promo item of all time, Harry. Bluetooth speaker. Sam, the executive sticky wallet. More
2: specific, uh, box and I would say in there. <laughs> all right, nice plug there. Harry, <laughs> would you rather be a supplier or a distributor?
3: Distributor. Distributor.
1: Okay. Distributor. Harry, best place to start a business:
2: basement or the garage? Garage. Garage. Yeah. I don't want to be uh, down below. I want to at least we're, see some light Cali- and
3: such. We're California guys. We don't have basements. Garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: California. What's better? The Mexican food here or our
2: microbreweries? Mexican food.
3: Well, yeah. since we're in NorCal and we don't have that SoCal Mexican food, I have to go microbreweries.
1: Okay. Harry, will you get another fidget spinner for the rest of the year, yes or no? Definitely. Probably within the week.
3: No, I'll turn it away. All right, the biggest debate. A's or Giants? Harry. Oh, man. that's.
2: I like them both right now. I'm getting in with both businesses. I like the A's. Uh, they've been a great partner, and uh, there's great people there. But I like okay. uh, the Giants, too. I'm going to say both. <laughs> Jam Giants, and
1: last but not least, NFL starts on Thursday. Raiders
2: or Niners, Harry? Niners, a thousand percent. You know we're rebuilding, but they're coming around. I like Lynch and Shanahan.
3: Niners, and we're going to the President Al Guido of the Niners on the What Up Silicon Valley podcast here in a few weeks. All right. Nice. Well.
1: Me, I'm Raiders all the way, even though we're, I'm an East Bay guy, so we're leaving the Bay, but I'm, I'm Raiders until I die. East squibble? That's all the Vegas. But I want to thank you guys all for getting on the Rebel Podcast today. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we gave some good insight into everyone. on um, what goes into making a really uh, small distributor team super successful out here in the Bay Area and actually be successful as well, too, fighting with major big players out here and some of the biggest companies in the world. Mark Graham, I want to thank you for co-hosting the Rebel Podcast. Harry and Sam, I want to thank you guys for spending some time today to uh, drop some insight and drop some knowledge on the promo industry and hopefully turn this
0: thing on its head. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.